Greetings and welcome to episode 103 of Teaching Tales, the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. It's been like six months, almost six months since the last episode. So if you've been a listener of Teaching Tales, we're back. Thank you for, for, for your patience and getting back. It's been a busy time. If, you, if this is your first time, thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Brent Coley. Um, I used to say an elementary principal. I've transitioned to a new role for the last nine years. I was an elementary principal in beautiful Southern California. This year, I've transitioned. I'm now working with all of our elementary schools in my district as the coordinator of elementary education. So um, excited about that. And joining me today, I'm really excited about this conversation, the one and only Carly Spina. Carly, how are you? I'm so great. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So we talked a little bit before I started recording um, about what we're going to talk about today. But before we jump into that, um, for anyone who's not familiar with you or your work, give us a little background. Who Who is Carly? So um, I have been serving multilingual learners for 16 years now. I was an EL teacher um, for third, fourth, and fifth grade for several years. And we had, at that time, I think over 65 languages. Um, I was also a third grade bilingual classroom teacher in an English-Spanish transitional program, which was uh, so much fun. <laughs> um, I was also a district-wide multilingual instructional coach. And so I supported eight schools from early childhood up through eighth grade um, across various uh, program models and service delivery models. And then I'm currently now serving as a multilingual education specialist with the Illinois Resource Center. And so we're a nonprofit and our whole passion is supporting and serving multilingual students and families and communities. So, um, and I'm also the author of a book called uh, Moving Beyond for Multilingual Learners. Awesome. Yes, a fellow EduMatch author. So two EduMatch authors coming together. And at the end of the episode, I'll let you kind of talk a little bit more about the book and for anyone who's who's interested in picking up a copy, how they can do that. But so let's let's jump into kind of the topic. The as I as I was alluding to before, I saw your blog post. I've seen it before, but it was EduMatch reposted it the other the other day, and I saw it called The Importance of Our Language choices and basically just how our words matter and what we say matters in in every facet of our life but but specifically i want to kind of pass the virtual mic to you and kind of like when you say the importance of our language choices i've highlighted a bunch of stuff in your blog post that if you don't touch on i'd love to touch on but what do you mean by when you say our language choices and yes. how, how that's important. Yes. So, you know, I think at being in education for so many years, I think I've had to like have just moments of pause and reflection of like, wow, you know, I've been, I've inherited this practice or I've been inherited this um, kind of mindset or belief and, <laughs> or like sometimes you inherit a vibe <laughs> um, yeah. as you enter into new classrooms and spaces. And um, many times, like, unless we're really deliberate about reflecting on those, many times those go unchecked for <laughs> years and years. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, there's been like strategies and stuff that I've had to kind of like pause and say, wait a minute, this isn't really working or this is outdated or is this really serving the way it was intended? Um, 
But when we talk about even like something that comes really, you know, basic down to like the basic things, the way that we talk about kids and the way that we talk about families we serve um, and how many times those phrases in the hallway <laughs> or like mm-hmm. even our informal chatter, like in the teacher's lounge and stuff like that. Sometimes when different language patterns um, kind of go unchecked, um, it really, you know, it, it kind of calls attention to sometimes some of the biases that we hold that might be really problematic. Uh, but again, they've never kind of <laughs> been brought to light or, you know, questioned or called out or even like, you know, adjusted. <laughs> sure. Because sometimes we say things and it captures one thought and then we're really, tra- you know, trying to articulate something else. So um, it's really a reflective um, process on how we, you know, speak about those we serve. Yeah. It's like, I love how you, you kept using the word reflecting and that's, that's how we grow. And if we do something, but we don't reflect on it, we, it's difficult for us to grow. And I like what you said, like we may be saying things that were inherited or it, it's what we've heard and we may not necessarily mean anything negative by that, but it may have a different connotation. I'm going to, I'm going to feed you something that you've written so you can talk about that. For example, the word parents. Yes. Yes. Can you, can you talk about, can you talk about that? Yes. Yes. So um, as we, you know, as we meet the needs of the students that we serve, we often always, you know, we'll make uh, connections to the grownups at home that support mm-hmm. those students at home. Um, and one like language choice that I have had to intentionally shift is from using the word parent to using the word family or even like your grownups at home. Mm-hmm. Um, because that term really is more inclusive and it, it represents that that idea of a family can come in all shapes and sizes. And sometimes it's not even a biological family member. Maybe it's a family friend or a caregiver or um, something like that. So even just those small little uh, adjustments uh, that we can make to our language choices can really be more inclusive to those we serve. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's such a small, it's such a small shift. I mean, and, and you've heard things like when you've got uh, um family events that that would be like uh, muffins with mom or donuts with dad or something like that. And as a site principal, it's kind of like, well, how can we, what if, what if there is no mom at home or there is no dad at home? Can, can uncle participate? And, and just by changing it to like goodies with grownups or something like that, it just, it just makes it, yeah, mom can still come or dad can still come, but now you've made it so that that, Maybe it's that foster child. Yes, right, who, exactly. Who isn't and so many times like the intention is so positive. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, it, it captures again the, the spirit of what we're trying to do. And we're inviting in the family and we're inviting in the grown-ups that, you know, love on this kid just like us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's just again that small tweak that we can do to be more inclusive. I, I love it. And and your work and your background has been working with. Um, multilingual students. And just just in your talking so far, I'm not sure if anyone is picking up on this. I have because I've been looking at your blog post, but just your language choice, your word choice, when you've spoken about your background and the students that you serve, again, one of the things you wrote about was rather than saying my students, yeah. you and you ver- you've used that verbiage of 
the students that I serve. It's kind of like when you talk about um, students, that student is autistic. No, that's a student with autism. It's her, it's like student first. Yes, absolutely. So. And it's interesting too, because again, we are such passionate human beings. Mm -hmm. We want to serve, we want to support, we never want to isolate or alienate or stigmatize. But many times, again, like even the way that our meetings are structured, sometimes we'll say like, you know, oh, we're having an, I like, you know, we call it an IEP meeting. And mm -hmm. <laughs> instead of calling it like, this is a, a meeting to support this child or this particular student. Um, but we, you know, many of our schools still really function in silos. So like, I remember being uh, in the classroom for the, my first few years, um, it was always like, oh, Carly, that's your kid because that's a multilingual learner. That's your kid. So your kids, you know, are doing this and my kids are doing that. <laughs> Yeah. And it was really interesting because it, I think it also kind of captured some of the practices because the way that service was being delivered was very isolated at the time. And so as we've made shifts in, you know, in school systems about being, you know, having offering more in-class support, whether it's like um, maybe we call it in-class support, maybe it's true co-teaching. Uh, but as we've made those shifts, I think people are really kind of tuning into those language choices too. Of like, no, these are our kids in our classroom. Yeah. <laughs> and these are our lessons that we're prepping for. <laughs> yeah. No, it, and again, such a small, such a small tweak. I mean, and when you talk about, I, I love the point, and I'm, I'm going to read what you've got here is, is our students who speak more than one language so often, and, and you're in you're in Illinois, correct? Yes, yes. I'm in California, and you said that they used to 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 the term was non English proficient, yes. and that that is still a term that is used in 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 California, non English oh. English proficient. But I love how did you how do you tweak that and and give and again I could read it, but I would rather have you share it because because they're your words. <laughs> So it's so interesting because, again, we we always referred to students as like how the state classified them, which was NEP, non-English proficient, or what became a little bit better was limited English proficient, LEP. We, we did a lot of that. Yep. Um, but it's so like it's so degrading if you really think about it. You're starting <laughs> a descriptor with the word non. Like yeah. we're going to tell you who you are by first listing what you can't do yet um, or what you're developing in. Um, and I always say, like, I don't go to a party and introduce myself by saying, hi, I'm Carly, and I can't juggle or speak French. Like, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> because so I, I want to introduce myself and like, hi, here, you know, here's who I am. I want to put my best foot forward. Um, and many times when we introduce our students through the use of a, a label like that, it's really, um, it is just filled with a lot of deficit um, mindsets and, and beliefs about who our students are and not really accurately, you know, reflect or like capturing all the students, all that the student can do. So over the years, um, the state of Illinois and many states have followed um, has really shifted and being, again, more reflective on the language choice. And so now the term is multilingual learner. And I love that because I love it even more than a bilingual learner. I love it even more than English as a second language. 
Um, even when we say like English as an additional language, it's still centering English. <laughs> it's like putting all the focus on like this one language when really our students have so many other identities outside of who they are as English speakers, readers, writers, and listeners. Um, and, and, you know, when we talk about, you know, anyone who is bilingual, so if you have two languages, you actually have three languages because you, have, so I'm a, I have a bilingual brain. I always say this, I have an English you know, English side and a Spanish side, but I also have a third space where they play together and they interact with each other. The languages kind of bounce off each other all the time. Um, and so anyone who's bilingual is actually multilingual. So I love that term because it decenters English and it really just, it highlights the full linguistic repertoire of our students and their families. Cause you know, it's tied to Absolutely. their identity too. So. Well, and again, leading with non versus leading with multi because think as as adults if you or i were to go and in, to apply for an app for a job and on our resume on the application if if we are multilingual if i'm bilingual if i speak another language that's an asset yes, like absolutely. that that that's that that could potentially be the difference between me winning out over another applicant who is only speaks one language Yes, whether that absolutely. language is English or something else. So I just, I just love the, I love this, the, by tweaking something. And I also liked, you talked about how um, so often, and you mentioned um, conversations in the lounge in, in staff meetings and things like that. And it's so easy to use the language that that's, that students low. Yes. And, 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 I've been guilty of that. I think most educators at some point is referring to a student as low, but I love how you phrased it that you're not low. You're at, a, you can be at varying levels of proficiency. Yeah. What a, what yes. a, it, no one's low. You're no just at a, a different level of proficiency. Exactly. I love that. Oh, thank you. I, you know, and, and as we talk with, you know, again, teachers are just, we're everyone's so hungry to support and serve yep. really that, you know, that's always what it comes down to. So it's never, cause again, I've said lots of these things. We've all well, have. Yeah. 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 But it's just, you know, those little mindful moments of, of reflection on our language use. Um, it's, it's interesting because again, when, when teachers or when I have said that about students, I, you know, it, it just, it's like the, one of the little aha moments, like, of course, I don't believe, you know, that this individual human yeah. being, this, this person I am looking at right now is low. They're not low. Like I, I have to, again, honor where they are in their language journey. Um, because again, if I were to speak Urdu or Mongolian or Lithuanian, I could say like, wow, like mm -hmm. their proficiency and, and, you know, and reading and writing is so Hi, but there's no way for me to capture it because I don't have those language skills. That's not in my linguistic repertoire. So, um, and I like when we when we talk about students uh, specifically who are in bilingual or dual language programming, uh, many times we get kind of hung up on being at a certain proficiency level by a certain time. <laughs> like we always have these ideas of like language benchmarking. We can't really benchmark language in the same way as we benchmark other things like reading and writing because language doesn't exist in a vacuum it's very context driven and it's really dependent on how comfortable people are feeling and all of these different things um so if i were to like if you were to say you know carly i want you to speak for 30 minutes about the super bowl game this past year 
I would really not have much to say. And you say like, speak for 30 minutes. I, I could maybe fill like two and a half minutes without like going into like the halftime show or the commercials <laughs> before I kind of just run out of content. Cause it's, it's not something that I'm passionate about. It's not something I have a whole lot of uh, experience with personally, aside from like my, you know, watching my son play <laughs> or watching sure. ESPN. Yeah. Um, but if you were to say, Carly, I want you to talk for 30 minutes on multilingual education, like, oh, yes, I could absolutely do that. But those two language captures would be so different. And so someone might be able to say, oh, Carly, I listened to your, you know, your 30 minutes of, of speaking on the Super Bowl. You're really low. <laughs> right. right. That that language capture really doesn't, you know, hold everything that I am able to do or can do. Um, it's just one little moment in time, one capture. I love that. And as you and I have both said, like here, I've been guilty of that. And I think for anyone listening right now, the purpose of this, of me wanting to chat with you today is not to, to slap anybody's hand or be like, you're doing it wrong. If more than anything, by listening to this conversation, it would be my hope that people would reflect and be, hmm, are the words that are coming out of my mouth or that are going into an email or that are being spoken in the lounge, are they are they deficit minded? Are they asset minded? Are they are they inclusive? Or are they potentially yeah. unintentionally exclusive? And again, it's not that you're doing it wrong. It's like, how can we do it better? And yes. I think that's yes. that's I mean, which kind of it leads me into a story that I've never this this was way back in 1995. Mm -hmm. This is it was the very first day of, and it kind of goes in. It, it speaks to the importance of our word choice and the, the, the block leader in my credential program, I was getting my multiple subject teaching credential. Dr. Hallie Yop uh, told us a story, literally first day, probably about 30 minutes into our very first day of my credential program. And she talked about the day that she dropped her son off in kindergarten. So very first day, her very first child dropping him off in school, so excited, so excited. She comes back to pick him up at the end of the day. And she says when she spoke with the teacher, one of the teacher's first words out of her mouth were, and I don't even remember her son's name, but let's call it, we'll call him Michael. And, and the teacher uh, told Hallie, said, uh, Michael, Michael, Michael can't cut with scissors. Mm. And I so vividly remember the story of Hallie sitting in the front of this room, speaking to all of our these credential candidates, her eyes filling with tears oh. as the teach as one of the first interactions with with Hallie was, yeah. your son can't do mm -hmm. something. Mm. Forget about the fact that it's the first day of kindergarten, and it, and it's it, but but just that deficit language. Yeah. Uh, was that, that we're talking, and I think at the time her son was like in college or something. I mean, it was, yeah. this was, was not a fresh story in her mind, but she still recalled it in a way that, that invoked, evoked so much emotion hmm. in her because it hurt because they oh, said that yeah. her son couldn't do something. And you said that earlier yet. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's just so many ways. And I think that this relates. So for anyone who's listening this is not just about how we're how we're describing our students in terms of their their language levels of proficiency or uh, what we're calling the the grown ups at home, but 
report card comments. Yes. And, and it's our job as teachers to describe the current levels of performance, of progress, but how we do that is so is so important that that it's kind of like, let's say a student, I mean, just like the word can't, in my humble opinion, should should never go. It, it should be outlawed in a report card comment. I agree. I agree. <laughs> That's so final. And like for one yeah. adult in this whole child's journey, for one adult to sit like and put in like a formal document. Yeah. And say like, nope, you can't. Boom. Yeah. Like. You I'm, said it's I'm, fine. It's a fine. Yeah. That's a there's there's a finality to the word can't, whereas there's so many other ways. And 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 I used to to work with our teachers. Like if you if you need to say something, because don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm not saying there's things that need to be said. Progress needs to be communicated, and sometimes yeah. that progress is slow going. Right. And I'm not saying that we lie and we say hey, everything's right. great when it's yeah. not. Right. But instead of saying can't, just even something maybe is currently having a difficult time with insert whatever it is, or we're going to, we are going to continue to practice. Yes. Like the term we. Yes. Like, like, or he's struggling. He's struggling with this right now, comma. And here's what we're going to do to support him. It's like, as a parent. Yes. And Carly, you're, you're a parent. Yep. 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 I'm a parent. Yep. And I always, and I wrote this in red and I've said this to our teachers before. It's like, just keep this. Would you want to hear what you're saying? Right. And if you're right. the teacher, would you yeah. want to hear what you're saying? Or would you want to read what you're writing in those report card comments? Right. Yeah. Your kid, because Absolutely. that child, that son, that daughter, that, that, that's somebody's whole world. Yes. And, yes. and when you say that, they can't do something. It, it, it is, it's very permanent. Yes. Yes. And it may, there may be significant struggles. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. We're not, we're not downplaying that, but, right. but there's, there's so many ways to, <laughs> to wordsmith. Yes. Um, yes. To wordsmith comments and whether it's a, a parent teacher conference or report card whether I'm on the phone with with an upset parent, which I frequently have to do, yeah. <laughs> talk yes, about, right. there, there's 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 better ways to say those things. Yes, than absolutely, and really, and and again, like as if we're prepping for those moments of either comments on a report card or a progress report or like a conversation that might be difficult to have. Or even like a student data meeting where we're starting to bring mm-hmm. family members in. If we like one of the most powerful practices that we can do is sit with our teammates and say, these are the phrases that we might yes. kind of fall back on. Yes. And so what is our plan? How are we going to actively overcome these language choices? Let's like let, write it all out. <laughs> like a like, word. Like a, yes. like we give our students word banks of Absolutely. words to use instead of, as I was a fourth and fifth grade teacher. Here's uh-huh. a list of words you can use instead of said, yes, for example. Exactly. exactly. So instead of saying this student is low in this, we're going to say, no, no, no. The student is currently developing in this skill or they're growing in yeah. this skill. Like, and again, this is a good, it's a good thing to do with teams because then it gets everybody involved in that practice of 
reflecting on language choices. And again, like, and it helps to build better relationships. It really does to help make uh, team meetings more productive, more efficient, and more positive. Because then everyone around the table is like, no, we really do love this child. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think so often that when a, when a teacher, ha- and again, if I looked back over my report cards, I, I, I know that I would be guilty of, of, Me of making some of these comments too. Yeah. It doesn't mean that the teacher, so please, for anyone listening, if you if you think, oh, geez, I've done that. I'm not saying that you don't love your right. kids. I'm not saying right. that you're not a teacher. I'm yeah. saying that as you talked about at the outset of this conversation, a lot of this is inherited. It's yes. it's it's what it's what we were taught, or it's what yes. we read on our report cards, yes. or it's what my master teacher did and told me to do. Yes. But yep. But but if we can reflect and say again, I just think if we if we take that 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 question as a lens and ask ourselves, what I want to hear, what I want to read, what I just wrote. Like when you're done, before hitting submit or before sending it. Read it yourself and pretend this is my kid. Yeah. My son yeah. is my daughter. And I'm going to read this as if it was my son or daughter. And if if there's any party that's like that that hurts a little bit, then maybe there's a maybe there's a there's a a little more growth yeah. mindset way yeah. of of communicating that current level of progress. Yes. Absolutely. Or maybe that's a comment that we take out completely. And that's an in-person conversation that we have because it feels a little bit more, you know, a a conversation needs to be had around. Yes, because it's so much easier to like to do what you and I, I mean, we're watching each other in a Zoom right now and we're seeing facial expressions and voice and like you can put this kind of intonation into a conversation. Yes. That you can't put on a report card comment. Yes. That you can't read tone of voice. Yes. You can yes. imply tone of voice. Yep. And unfortunately, when you see the word can't and th- you may imply the wrong tone of voice. Yep. Um, yep. Even if that's not what the teacher is intending. So yes, yes. That's wow. really, that's really critical too, especially as we talk about serving multilingual families and mm-hmm. you know, bringing them in for conversations. It's it is really important. That's all a, a piece of understanding, you know, understanding each other is, yep. is picking up on all those different cues and picking up on on feeling. <laughs> yep. <laughs> because yep. that's really that's important. Well, I love it. Carly, this this is again, I, I say this so many times at the end of a conversation. If nobody listens to this, okay. Because I got something out of it. I'm, I'm, I am a broken, I'm a broken record when I say that. It's like, and, and I'm a firm believer that if even one one educator listens to this and and reflects and hmm, I mean, yes. and, and keeps that in mind the next time they have that conversation in the lounge about students, or the next yeah. time they're going to write those progress report comments, and they they maybe think twice again. Then then this thirty minutes of our time has been well worth it. So yes, yes, um, I agree. I agree. Thank well, you so much. Oh my oh. gosh. Thank you. So, so, and I, and this will be an audio podcast so people aren't seeing, but I'm seeing, I'm seeing your book behind you on your, on your shelf. <laughs> tell, tell me a little, tell us a little about your book. And then if somebody wants to pick that up or wants to connect with you online, how can they do that? All right. So my book is called Moving Beyond for Multilingual Learners. Um, And really, it is a book about um, all of the various ways that we support and serve our students and our families. Um, So there are um, 
chapters that talk about really like academic support, like when we're in the classroom, what are good, you know, scaffolds and, and strategies that we can use as we're uh, supporting students with you know, navigating the content uh, learning and also the language learning, um, even if we're not EL certified. Yeah. Um, I also have a chapter on, you know, supporting the SEL needs of multilingual learners because many of those needs are very unique, especially when we're talking about our newcomer students. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, if they're arriving new to either our community or our country, uh, all of the things that they uh, carry with them. Um, and their various stories. Um, I have a chapter on family engagement, on um, advocacy, on supporting yourself as you do this work, and kind of the journey ahead. So each of the chapters starts with beyond something. So the family mm. engagement chapter is beyond the newsletter. <laughs> um, the chapter on uh, our self-care is like beyond your call to serve. So um, it kind of takes a few different uh, avenues, but it, it tries, I tried to capture like the full, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the full job and um, the perspective of, you know, through all these different lenses, all the different ways that we serve. Um, and hopefully it, it you know, I, I always compare it to when I was pregnant, I was handed two books. One was like, what to expect when you're expecting and even reading it, even looking at it, it was so intimidating. And um, I was terrified and I was like, well, I'm going to fail because this book is like talking about my head. Yes. And then the other book I got was like the girlfriend's guide to pregnancy. And like, she's like, okay, so this is what's really going to happen. <laughs> and it felt <laughs> like, like a friend telling me this over coffee. So that was kind of the style that I wrote the book is like just a friend, like a conversation. Like I, I'm not like a, a hoity-toity person. I'm not like a fancy researcher or anything like that. I'm just like, I wanted to read like a friend. So um, kind of I share my own stories and classroom stories and some personal stories. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a blast to write. Um, so if folks are interested in picking up a copy, they can go to Amazon um, and pick it up there or on Barnes and Noble. And then if you wanted to do a book study, uh, you can go through the EduMatch website. So I think it's just edumatch.com, maybe edumatch.org. I should probably double check. <laughs> One of those, yeah. I, I, let's see here. <laughs> Dot .org. Dot .org, yes. yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And then you can get some bulk discounts and things like that. So there's some perks to get in the bulk. <laughs> love it. And and I love the writing style. I try to do the same thing with my book too. Just very conversational and yes. yeah, not a research. Let's yeah. yeah. And Let's if somebody chill. wanted to connect with you on Twitter, what's your handle? Yeah. So I'm most active on Twitter and my handle is at Mrs. Spina's class. So lots of S's there. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I have not yet picked up a copy of your book, but I'm 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 going to because it sounds this is great, and I've got a friend down the hall who who I think could get a lot out of that a lot out oh, of that. Oh, thank as well. you, so, thank Carly. You thank so you. It's been a pleasure. I'm I'm thank you for for being the first episode back after six months for coming coming in. I think people will get a lot out of this. Um, and I wish you a wonderful school year. We're recording. Awesome. Thank of, you so much. End of August. Thank you yeah. for having me. You got it. And for everyone else listening, thank you. Thanks for, for sticking with us for, during the break. Thanks for coming back. I hope you got something out of this. If you haven't already subscribed, you can do so in your favorite uh, pod catcher, or you can listen directly on my website at brentcoley.com. All right. And until next time, hopefully not six months from now, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. It's not going to be six months from now. It will definitely be sooner than that. Um, until next time, have a good one.